You're listening to For the Lore, the podcast that delves in the craft of our favorite games, whether lore, gameplay, or game design. Each week, Roger is joined by Joe and Vince. Garrus Vicarian, Morden Solace, Erdnot Rex, Tally Zora Vos Normandy, Shepherd. Heroes of the Milky Way, now gone. Long forgotten, or perhaps even never known. Dead by the hand of a foe, a friend, or simply old age. The war with the Reapers, now a distant memory. But for you, it never happened. 600 years later and millions of light years away, you step into the shoes of new heroes, the Rider Twins, Pathfinder colonists to the Andromeda Galaxy, a place full of action, adventure, intrigue, and totally fuckable aliens. Will a Tempest crew of Milky Way inhabitants find a peaceful home or get caught up in a massive war? Once again, that decision rests in your hands. The age of the Shepherd is no more. In a few short weeks, everything changes with Rider. On this week's For the Lore, we explored new realms in Andromeda and Horizon, while also spending time in the familiar confines of Morrowind, Middle-Earth, and Gotham. So boys, on a scale of one to Krogan, how hyped are you feeling right now? Dude, that fucking intro is just telling me nobody's going to remember my tally. I'm like, shut up, dude. Oh, I deserve a fucking medal. Some of our friends have been lost to old age or enemies or Vince. Vince, yeah. <laughs> like, I, I deserve a goddamn medal for that. I unmuted, and I wanted to say it in the world. I was like, oh, no, I'm going to let Vince finish. I'm going to let him finish. But I'm not letting that, let that Listen, go. Listen, certain things are best left unspoken. <laughs> Bullshit. Bullshit. Like genocide? <laughs> Best part is in my renegade playthrough, all those people I named were dead. Oh God! <laughs> hey, uh, raise your hand if you're uh, you're surprised. Oh wait, I, I yeah. no, no. Listen, listen. In all fairness, you I didn't kill Garrus. I was responsible for his death, but I didn't kill him. Close enough. Oh, God. He he was in the place where a bullet was supposed to be. It's not my fault. I'm trying to remember who I lost in my main playthrough, and I i don't know that I actually lost anybody. That's a while back, though. I honestly don't remember, but I don't i don't think I'd lost anybody. Oh, no, I lost, um, what's his name, Robot? Uh, Legion. Legion, yeah, but that was one of those, well, you either lose him or Tally kind of deal, wasn't it? Or something like that. They were there was a the, way yeah, you could were, make peace, but yeah, for for most people, it was one or the other. Yeah, you didn't have the, the choice. The only ones that I have lost in my entire playthrough, I think, was Caden because fuck Caden, and I think Legion. Yeah, I think that was it. Yeah, uh, there was also you know Ashley and, and Grunt and. Thane and Samara. It, well, Thane listen, died I mean, from an STD. Yeah, nothing to do uh, with no, a freak. No, he, he didn't make it that far in my game. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, in mine, it was later on. <laughs> Apparently, he'd been fucking other aliens, too. No, I don't know what the hell he had. I can't remember, but 
I always thought of it just as a, a mortal STD. <laughs> it made it a lot more interesting when you're by his bedside. It's like, oh, you asked for this, buddy. <laughs> so was I the only one that ordered the Cards Against Humanity booster pack for Mass Effect? I don't even know what you're talking about. Yeah, they, yeah because they announced it. it's a dollar. Okay, yeah, you're gonna have to send me the link later or post it in Twitter, because I don't know what you're talking about. But the coolest thing I've seen from Bioware is freaking nailing it with the marketing for this. Did you oh, see their God. tweet to NASA? Yeah, <laughs> NASA tweets out saying they discovered a substance at the end in the middle of the Andromeda Galaxy, which could prove to a uh, a, a black hole being there and Bioware tweets back saying we got this with a picture of the big <laughs> the big ship and I was like you people are glorious you are fucking awesome <laughs> yeah I would have ordered the booster pack and uh, but unfortunately I think I'm the only one in my gaming group that would know what the hell it was so. oh yeah that's absolutely going to happen with me as well but that doesn't matter <laughs> <laughs> I guarantee you I can make the totally fuckable aliens card work somewhere. All right. Okay. You're going to start in on the game? I want to recent news. Yeah. Yeah. Because we got tons of stuff, yeah, no both kidding. from Bioware themselves, as well as various news outlets who got to talk about their hands-on time with the game. And by Bioware, we got uh, some nice little stuff with, uh, what's her name? God, Natalie Dormer. Uh, talk about her voice acting in the game. Yes. But they also released... what. What Sorry, thought, Joe and I were talking I about that when okay, the video okay. first came out, and it was like it's freaking Moriarty from the new Sherlock series, which makes her royalty in my oh, book. She is. What's that? Yeah, she in is? the new version like, of Sherlock. I, I haven't watched it. So fuck you, dude. Seriously, you haven't watched the Cumberbatch Freeman? I have, but not with her. Well, Jesus, I was in what the second season, I think. I don't remember that. Fuck, she she was Second. probably the best part of that entire damn show. How did I? How do I know? I, I mean, I recognize her from Game of Thrones, so I don't know. I might, no, no, I might she be was kind she of blanking out on the character. That version of Moriarty, and and mm-hmm. Sherlock had a relationship with her. So, and then you see her a little bit in season. I I want to say season three as well, but I'm not very very little. Yeah, but she's phenomenal actress, and her voice is like silk. So, yeah, when you watch her in oh, I, the videos, I'm, it was like, I'm a oh, big fan. <laughs> oh, looks fantastic. Yeah, cannot wait for that. I'm not even going to okay, lie. So, she was... no, oh, she's, she's on Elementary, not Cumberbatch Sherlock. Dude, I'm sorry. You're right. You're right. You're right. Sorry. Uh, I, that, I was okay. thinking about the, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I was like, she... Guardian and Cumberbatch Sherlock was a dude. No, no, <laughs> you're absolutely right. That's that's my fault. I apologize. Yeah, okay. no, and I remember who Moriarty <laughs> no, was. It was that, that hysterical dude. Yeah, no, no, sorry. Yeah, it was in... Um, elementary and uh which again some of the early seasons one or two honestly if you haven't seen it and you like this actress just watch that I season of it I, I haven't seen any of the moriarty stuff because she was so bloody good as moriarty and it was that nice change which they've done a lot with elementary with the characters kind of changing it up uh, case in point with freaking uh, lucy Liu in there as as watson but no it's she was great in that Anyways, wow, way off track. Well, I mean, it's going to be interesting seeing her with with her being like the the crew doctor role, uh, because I just remember how great like Doctor Chocolate was in the original trilogy, yeah. and how with her being you know the doctor and you know the the one who cares for the team, like 
her and Shepard had a very interesting dynamic. I'm going to assume the dynamic between Ryder and her is going to be very different, but it, it's such a great role for a Mass Effect game. Yeah, I agree. But as I said, what got me most hyped was their gameplay videos. Because we talked about the new uh, skill system that they're implementing in Andromeda, where it's you're not locked into one class for the entire game. But actually seeing it in action was a big thing for me. Seeing them being able to switch on the fly between different loadouts. Yeah, that was awesome. And, and how the, the, the classes are more like a focus. Like you can have your soldier build and your vanguard build and your biotic build. And having that particular focus is going to give you enhancements to the skills you choose to tie to it. But you're not locked into just two or three skills in combat. You have access to a dozen of them. You just have to swap on the fly and wait for a short cooldown. So that's going to lead to a crazy amount of tactics. It looks fun as hell. It Mass Effect gameplay has gotten progressively better from game to game to game, and they're continuing that trend. The thing that I liked is that, it, like you're saying, like you, you watch the video and it shows how you can jump between um, different play styles based on what spec you use on the fly. And what I like about that is that as someone who played a number of different classes, some just to kind of dink around with and some much more seriously and for prolonged periods, it's one of those things where much like a lot of other RPG games or MMOs or whatever, you like elements of each kind of thing. And mm-hmm. you do wish you had that ability to, okay, I'm... I'm a mile out. I'm going to snipe a couple of them because in this game you can shoot that far. And then as I get closer, I'm going to switch over to, say, you know, a, a biotic for a little while. And then once I'm really close in, then I'm going to go with a Vanguard build kind of thing. So instead of having to tailor how you play based on limitations, you're instead tailoring it. You're not even tailoring it. You're doing whatever the fuck you want when you want. That's huge absolutely huge and will make the entirety of the gameplay that much more fun Mm -hmm. and how on some of the the classes in the older games there's always like that one skill that you just never used so now like oh i don't care about cryo ammo that's stupid well you're not stuck with cryo ammo now now you can have incendiary grenades or biotic lift or whatever the hell you want it's 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 really opening my eyes and it's gonna it's gonna lead to a lot of much more fun and interesting playthroughs i think oh yeah just not that. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> On top of that, I mean, jetpacks, melee weapons. This is, they're adding a lot of interesting new wrinkles. I, I can't wait for, like, basically playing, you know, Farah. Exactly. <laughs> Death from above. That was exactly, I'm watching that and I'm going, I can't be the only one who's seeing Farah here. Because and, and well, I mean, they wear their influences on their sleeve. Let's be, they always have, and that's that's fine. That's yeah. perfect. Okay, come on, jet pack up and then biotic charge down. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, bloody awesome. <laughs> and I can't remember which one it was that you'd linked either that talked about levitating a creature up to their level and then vanguarding right into them. And I went, oh my god, <laughs> close range midair melee kills, fucking like, oh. awesome. Yes. The more I see or hear about it, the more hype I get. And I'm trying really, really hard to like, I don't want to say temper myself, but like, the, 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 there's, no, there's no brakes on this train. 
I don't want to ruin the game for myself. I don't want I want to discover this stuff on my own kind of like the weird combinations and, and crap you can do. Like I want to yeah, figure out so my many. own weird things. There are so many. And that's one of the things I too. Know. Like I, as I was reading over this and watching the videos cuz initially I felt the same way. I was like, eh, I don't know how much I want to watch." But then I was like, "You know what? Even the people who were writing you were saying like, "We only have like 3 or 5 hours in on this and we've barely scratched the surface." So essentially what they're telling us about is like the starter island kind of thing in an RPG. It's it's nothing stuff. It's it's indicative of what you can expect in terms of gameplay to a certain degree and whatnot. And story and elements of, of how you quest, sure. But it's not going to be spoiling anything. So that's why I felt safe in reading what they were talking about. Yeah, it was it was a lot of like broad stuff. Like, yeah, we got to spend some time walking around the Tempest and talking to the crew, and you know, it works exactly like another Mass Effect game. So you, you get a lot of great interactions with your crew. You know, it's, you know, driving around in the Nomad, the new version of the Mako. Don't worry, it doesn't suck. Yes. Like, it, it was a lot. I of don't think they very... said that. <laughs> I think they said it's not as bad as the Mako. <laughs> <laughs> there was no. Wow, this is actually really good. It doesn't suck. No, oh, no. I, I, listen, I didn't say they said it was good. I said it, it didn't suck. <laughs> There's a lot of room in between those two <laughs> <Yeah>. things. <laughs> but you, I like a lot of the because I read more than what I just posted in, into the Discord. You could tell a lot of the writers either because of Bioware or just because of themselves. Like they were holding back a lot. Like they yeah. they weren't giving a lot of like truly intense detail of what they were seeing, which I appreciated. Yeah, definitely. Uh, a couple things that uh, in the previews that stood out to me. One was you actually are going to have like a choice at the beginning of like with as far as your classes and whatnot. That there's six uh, training options you picked at your character creation: either security, biotic, technician, leader, scrapper, and operative. And those are going to give your character certain bonuses, but they didn't detail exactly what. I don't know if it's maybe just starting skills. I I maybe equipment i don't know so while there's a great deal of customization down the line there is a choice at the beginning that's at least initially going to kind of focus you in one direction which is not a bad thing Mm -hmm. and then one that was really weird that at the beginning of the game you can choose which gender your shepherd was in the original trilogy and that's going to affect something that yeah, makes sense, though, really. Well, I think it's going to affect whether they say he or she when they refer to mm. Shep. No, mm. no, there's going to be more because don't forget, like at the end of Mass Effect 3, there was the whole legend of the Shepherd. Mm-hmm. And no matter whether or not you live through those events, those stories are going to echo through time, especially for these people. And I wouldn't be surprised if that does actually play a role um, in how they interact with each other and other races. Yeah, but I, that has. I, what I, does that have to do with gender? I. It's Bioware. I have a feeling it's going to make a difference. Like it could be one of those things where, like, we've heard tales of your shepherd. Bring us to your female leader, like type thing. Well, that's what I mean. Where, it's either going to be just about how they reference well, her no, 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 or no, 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 him no, no, no. or like, female. You may come across a. You, you may come across a race that only wants to deal with like. Oh, I see what you mean. It, oh, okay, so basically. <laughs> A whole bunch of misogynistic asshole races is what you're saying, or or maybe it's like your women are your women are very clearly your warriors in charge of everything. We have no time for you, man. Thing, come here, you know. Let's talk to your leader. You know, like I could totally see something like that being the case. Yeah, I, I'm sure Bioware has something more than a simple pronoun planned for that choice. I don't know. So like. I, if that's all it is, they can work around it by just saying Shepard. They don't have to say he. Well, that's what they true. did consistently, yeah, for the other three. Yeah. yeah. 
So I mean, I I don't know what it's going to be, but the only it, it's just I, such a weird thing that like that that's that's the only connection to the original trilogy is your gender. See, the the way that I looked at that was um, because they're because because they're not allowing you to import in your save clearly by because they're asking you versus you importing the save. Um, they're they're limiting the amount of previous info that's that's imported into the new one, so they they get to decide which storyline is going to have that impact. Again, male versus female. So the way that I looked at it is, um, they they might have looked at the the female character and who the romantic characters uh, companions were that they had. Uh, accessible to them and then extrapolate from that a relationship that even if you didn't do it in the game they're going to say yeah these two hooked up many years later and there's a family a descendant a family of descendants based on the shepherds those two kind of thing be it the male shepherd with say tally or the female shepherd with well not thane unless they really knocked it out before he died but somebody else but that's what i thought that they would do essentially is incorporated into the story based on the companions that they had and if there would have been a long-lasting relationship i don't know <laughs> we will however find out yeah i'm curious three long weeks because the the wait is becoming it, it's it feels like it's so far away now that it's so close <laughs> Dude, Persona's coming out before that. You'll have to... Or, hold on. No, no, Persona's after, after that. That's right. Not long after that. <laughs> there are so many games to fill the void in the meantime, yes. dude. I don't want to hear it. Yeah. There's plenty. Well, maybe I'll finally finish this Final Fantasy 15 dungeon that I'm stuck <laughs> in by then. Listen. Vince finishes the dungeon. What year is it? <laughs> Who's the president? That's one way to get through this bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, go ahead and tell us about this dungeon you're in might as well at this I, point. it's I, i'm now working on the post-game content where there's a bunch of like extra dungeons and stuff you can use to get better gear which you need to kind of take down the the high-end enemies for the last freaking trophy i need so i'm like i'm going and i like i knew going in it was uh it wasn't a combat dungeon it was gonna be like exploration puzzle solving platforming stuff and you know, the game controls fine for an RPG, not so fine for a precision platformer because, like, you're jumping on a tiny little rails. It's it's not good. Like, I mean, they respawn you, like, right in the room you died in, so it's not that bad. But I've been in here for four hours. <laughs> Can't save in the middle of a dungeon. I, I sure as hell am not going to leave because that means i got to traverse back through as far as I've gotten. Even with the shortcuts I've unlocked, that's not going to be fun. So <laughs> it's... There's a point where it actually becomes two-dimensional. It's It becomes like a Prince of Persia-style side-scroller with what? the same shitty controls. And it's not even two-dimensional controls. The controls are still three-dimensional, so I kept walking off the front of the screen okay, and well, falling to my death. Hold on. Back up. Back up. So partway through that dungeon, the graphics style of the game changes from the hyper-realistic 3D to a 2D? I mean, it's the same style, but yes, it becomes the gameplay becomes two-dimensional and the camera zooms way out. Huh. Okay, so I think a, I know what you mean. Platformer. Yeah, like the art style itself doesn't change, but like it's you're looking at it from a different perspective and they don't change the controls to match it. <laughs> okay, so. yeah, I think I know what you mean. I've seen that in other games. I, I'm not a yeah. fan. 
And, and again, like it's just it's so weird because it's it's so out of place. Like the the dungeon itself is cool as hell. Like having to solve the puzzles. Like I don't know if you saw that screenshot I posted of the giant demon skull yes. with yeah. the rotating blades. Like it's cool. It's well designed. It just doesn't work in a fun way. Right. <laughs> How much longer do you have in that thing? I have no, no idea. idea. Oh my god! <laughs> I could look it up, but I'm afraid of what I'm going to see. Jesus, dude! <laughs> you are way too dedicated. Yeah, I, I to ate that lunch game. and I was like, okay, let me knock out this dungeon real quick, and then I'll do some show prep. And all of a sudden, I'm still going. I'm like, ah, oh, shit! I got to pick Alicia up from work. <laughs> god! All right, we never. Are you done with Mass Effect? We kind of transition into Final Fantasy there, but are you done with Mass Effect? I, I hope so. All yeah. right, let's <laughs> let's move on. We're going to actually skip to Elder Scrolls Morrowind. Um, we got quite a bit more information about this, and it's kind of cool because, once again, if you played through Morrowind back in the day, you probably have a love of not just the, the game, the questing, and whatnot, but just that slice of the world because a lot of the thing with Morrowind was it it wasn't much like a lot of the Elder Scrolls games it's not about that overarching massive quest in in some cases not even that massive that's important it's the world and all of the side quests that you get and whatnot and what's happening with this expansion is that it's actually taking place 700 years before the events of the Elder Scrolls 3 So while it's going to have a lot of the same landscape and some of the same cities, the cities are not necessarily going to be in the same, uh, how would I I say this, same level of growth, essentially. Mm -hmm. Some of it might be not quite as large or as populated and things like that, in much the same way that you're going to actually encounter ancestors of NPCs that you encountered in The Elder Scrolls Three. As cool as that sounds, I ain't going to remember none of those motherfuckers. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> if if you've recently played Morrowind, this is going to be great for you. But for everybody else, it's going to be like, yeah. I don't know. That was two know. Elder Scrolls and several Fallouts ago. I got, Since then, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, that, that, that's gone. Those names are gone. Although, I, you know what? I wouldn't be surprised if I remembered a few of them. Just because if they if the reference to them is clear enough, it'd be like, oh, I know this one. But there's I not remember be a killing lot. that guy. Yeah. <laughs> Of course you do. So this is actually a big expansion because they're also doing a few new things, including the first new class, the the Warden, which is really fucking cool. It's kind of like a blend of high fantasy druid, they said, and and like a hunter where you have a companion, an animal companion. So you can either go the, the, the three skill lines you're looking at, Winter's Embrace or Green Balance or Animal Companion. And the great thing about this class is that, again, referencing WoW, it's kind of like a druid in WoW in terms of being able to do anything with the class. You want a tank, you want a heal, you want a DPS, you can do it with this. That's bloody awesome. And, and even cooler is that a lot of the skills are kind of being tuned towards you using a bow. So you can be a fucking bow-wielding warden with an animal companion that you tamed from somewhere in Morrowind, presumably also in the other zones, and just kind of do whatever you want. And I was like, fuck, that's awesome. That is friggin' <laughs> awesome. <laughs> to, to be a, a, a kind of a, essentially a hunter class that can heal, that is fucking cool as hell. I love that. 
So, and then we're looking at also getting a, some PvP back battlegrounds. So they're looking at three modes, three different maps. You get your deathmatch, capture the flag, and domination. What's cool though is it's they're they're calling it a four v four v four, which is interesting because that would presume you have three teams going up against each other of twelve players. Well, aren't there three factions in the game? There are, but I didn't think that they. I didn't think that they were confident enough that there were enough people subscribed and playing that they can allocate 12 players per match for Battlegrounds. Every MMO is confident enough in their faction system. No, because we've seen that in a lot of games where they implement PvP. It doesn't mean they're right. Fuck all people. Yeah, there's nobody there. So if they can pull it off, more power to them. It'd be interesting as hell. And then there's also going to be a couple of new dungeons as well for the Dwemer runes in the sixth house. I like some of the things that they're talking about in terms of where the questing is going to go as well kind of thing. Because like, where Morrowind is, is kind of a, an island unto itself. It kind of reminds me of like your Australia or Galapagos Islands where in a lot of the evolution is different than what you see on the mainland. And then you have primarily the the Dunmer or the race that are there. And then they're talking about like there's the five great houses there and then you can house. I love how you're also questing with the Morag Tong, a peacekeeping group of assassins. <laughs> Fucking A. All right. <laughs> But there's a lot of cool stuff between the political stuff, between the houses, this peacekeeping bunch of assassins you're questing, which the three mortal gods, the tribunal, that you're also trying to make sure that they don't all die, and one of them ain't doing all that well. There's some bloody fucking cool shit coming out in this expansion. Like, I'm genuinely impressed with what I'm reading. Yeah, but I don't know. I still have the bad memories. <laughs> well, and that's justifiable. I mean, there are some things I, in this I've game. I've heard that it's still gotten better, but yeah, yeah. I actually did reinstall it, uh, but then I checked the price of the expansion. That was before I heard just how much was in it, and I was like, "Yeah, that's a little high." Now that I'm seeing just how much work was put into it and how much is being put into it, it makes more sense. And it's like, okay, you know, that's that's justifiable, and that's that's fine. So I, again, I now that I'm done with SWOTOR, I may actually go back into this and, and pick this up and, and, and play it because there's a lot of really cool elements that are coming through. And again, that Warden class sounds fucking awesome. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's move on to Overwatch because we've been getting a crap oh, load of new rumors <laughs> now going wild, and we love that shit. So, Joe, go ahead. Oh, dude, we are in over, <laughs> over hype mode at this point, and the the hits keep coming, and there's all sorts of subtle things that Blizzard is doing. So the other day we saw a reveal of a sort of a spotlight for on Nubani, a, a character named Elfie who is an 11-year-old girl who's also a genius inventor who specializes in robotics. Go figure. There's also an image tease that had a shopping list for Elfie and a really interesting, like, facial drawing on there. These are reasons we're going to get into that in a second. Uh, But she wants an OR-15 chassis, uh, Branford arm, which we have no clue what that is, a fusion driver, which is the same thing that powers uh, the Bastion units, uh, miniature Tobelstein reactor. That's Zarya's gun. 
has one of those in it. So something with gravity. Uh, she has a paint scheme. Apparently, this thing already has a Axiom vocal processor because uh, she has a little line through it and a little thing that says "got it." And uh, yeah, she likes Lucio's. So those are those are a thing. What's cool about this is there's also been something that's been leaked about um, a spider-like Omnic robot called Ancora, and they seem to be correlating that perhaps Elfie is the creator of this being, uh, this new supposed tank. And th- again, this is all just theories that are out there right now, um, but that's pretty cool. And there were also, in this little reveal, there were little screenshots of other news snippets like the airport in Nabani being completely yes. wrecked. That was awesome. <laughs> now hold on a minute. That we're gonna we're gonna come back to that in a minute because there's more with that. Yeah, the airport's like the the nexus of these theories. <laughs> well, yeah. Okay. So so the big the biggest one it's going to the airport is the arrivals and uh, the arrivals board, which is you know all these planes coming in, and the board currently in the game right now on live has changed. Uh, Moscow has been canceled. There's uh, the delayed flight from Paris is now on time. The delayed Tokyo flight has been changed to Hanamura and is now on time. Uh, London's 4 a.m. flight has been changed to Singapore. Mexico City has been changed to Dorado. The New York flight is no longer delayed. Cairo has been changed to Taipei. Los Angeles has changed to Sydney. And London's 6.30 a.m. delayed flight has been removed and changed to an on-time flight from King's Row. Okay, can we just... Can we just say, first of all, how fucking cool that is in and of itself, (laughs) a little detail that those little details that regardless of what is going on in the game or whatever, there is life existing there. It's the same as being able to see the cars passing by on some of the maps that that map is alive. So when you see this board and it's like, holy shit, it's actually different. What the fuck? That's actually fucking cool as hell. I love that. Oh, it is fantastic. Now, some mild spoilers. So if you if you care about this type of stuff, come back in about five minutes. So on the PTR right now, have either of you actually seen what's going on there or logged in? No. I heard that the Doomfist oh. is gone. That's that's one of the things. The Doomfist is actually gone from the payload. It has been cracked and stolen, um, or at least we think it's been stolen. This is the same thing Talon's been after since the videos where we first saw uh, the, the two kids. little boys yeah. that happened to be in the middle of that fight. Um, so that's a thing. Doomfist weapon is missing. Um, not only that, that scene from the news report, that's in the game. When you log into there and you go into the airport, that is exactly what you see fully rendered in game. Those bodies smashed into the wall. Uh, all of those details, everything is there. So, yeah. Uh, for all those people that are like, oh, Overwatch is static. It's never going to change. They're always going to be the same maps. While these may be cosmetic changes, we don't know the full extent of everything else that's going to change as a result of this. Because let's face it, if there was a brawl in Nabani over the Doomfist, which it looks like there very clearly was, those aren't going to be the only changes. There's going to be some wrecked things. And I'm really excited to see how that's going to play out. I think that's going to be pretty cool. You know what's funny is that the I was following it on, on Twitter, as everybody else, no doubt, when they were first hinting at it and stuff like that. I mean, fuck, it did not take long for the fan art to come out. <laughs> That's for damn sure. But then there were more rumors that were coming out saying that it wouldn't be her that's added, but one of her creations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And 
This is what this game has the potential to be because in my mind, what I thought quite excitedly was this could be the first quote-unquote hunter class in this game where you have a viable companion, not a turret or something, but an actual companion. So it could be her that you control and she controls this robot that she has created much like a hunter would in wow or it allows you to switch briefcase remote control units like gigantor style (laughs) yeah like wouldn't that be awesome and it wouldn't change the balance because they would balance it much the same way as they have with hunters they have the experience to do that so it would just be you know a class with a, a, a pet that's that remains and follows and that she could use and I was so fucking excited. <laughs> like, well, I thought of that and I'm going like, oh my yeah. God, can you fucking imagine if they do that? That would be glorious. I would adore that. Yeah, but you also have the drawback of throwing an 11-year-old girl into a war which, zone and shooting her. Yeah, which I don't think they're going to do. Bullshit. I bet, you age. I bet you they would. I Even, even uh, Diva is an adult. She's a teenager. She's 19. She's an That's adult. a teenager. No, I'm sorry. You haven't raised kids. That's a kid. It, it, You're still 19. To to fight in a war. It's Let's still. Put it that way. Yeah, yeah still but you can fight in a war at 18. I'm sorry, but she's still a teenager. Roger, do you hate 11 year olds? Are you trying to like get Elfie murdered? Is that what's going no, on? No, because here? she will Are you- die. She's going to be fucking awesome. <laughs> and she will be able to kick ass and take names. All I want. Blizzard, make it happen. Well, there's some. <laughs> There's some more here, too, like um, just to, to kind of go along with the more elfy thing. Did you see what those uh, defense, those droids were named or labeled when they were smashed into the wall? No. OR-15 defense bots. What's one of the parts she needs? That's yeah, that. So, I mean, this is all starting to tie together. Um, and I like the idea of her maybe having a spider omnic that can crawl on long yes. walls. Dude. She could hang on to it while it's climbing up. It could be like the the spider mobile that Spider-Man had back in like the 80s. (laughs) I had one of those. (laughs) Now, not only that, but also this is really interesting. If you go back to the Sombra short and you look at the end where you have all of the images, by the way, between Doomfist and the symbol for Nabani is a four-legged robotic schematic. Really? Shit. Yes. <laughs> they love their jobs. <laughs> oh, <laughs> these people really love what they do. <laughs> and it it looks rather arachnid in in its in its form. So that's where the that's where the theory that this is where the robot was created has come from. And I actually think it has some legs, no pun intended. Um, oh, you intended it, that. <laughs> but it would also it would also stand a reason that while Elfie may not be the hero herself involved in it, she totally could create or bring life to something that could do what she couldn't. Nope. And Not I think that's, nope. I, I think that's nope. equally as. Cool. Nope. Nope. I want her in. There. <laughs> <laughs> I'm okay with a totally autonomous fe- a female Omnic who happens to be. Oh, nope. you know, I, I want them both. I want it all. <laughs> Seriously though. Come on. You have to agree. Freaking Elfie Hunter type class with a spider omnic as her pet. Come on. Who would play any other fucking class? <laughs> what would be the point? 
I want to see I the nothing. I want to see the dance, the dance emote for that. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, I don't know, but like, but stuff like this is cool, right? And this is why we love Overwatch. This is why we we love watching what they do and and seeing what they do because the story comes from all angles. It's not just something that's presented in game. And this is something I've talked about recently too. The story, because it's not locked into a game, is a little more transmutable, right? You can make changes on the fly. You can take little snippets, like Doomfist, for example. Uh, Doomfist was originally a throwaway name that Metzen just said on stage because Doomfist, Doomhammer, Metzen likes anything with Doom in the name. His middle name might as well be Doom. Um, but as time has gone on, they've actually started creating more story around that one-line throwaway because they could. They weren't locked in. And that's something that I think is cool here because it's a living, breathing world that's evolving as we play the game and experience it. And that's really, really cool. And it's so different than like Diablo in in WoW where everything is set in stone, right? Like even WoW is releasing chronicles and tomes that show this is exactly what happened. Here's the order of everything that happened in in retrospect. And we're going to retcon all this other stuff to make sure everything else works here because we're seeing the birth of a world essentially from the ground up. They could do cool shit like this where they have 11-year-old geniuses and different parts of the world and like this really complicated conspiracy and, and all these weird theories. And this is why fans love it. Absolutely. Like this has me jazz. Like I will keep playing overwatch. The difference that I see between blizzards IPs and, and I like this, I like this a lot. Well, because I'm playing overwatch, I fucking crazy lately, but like announcements come or hints or rumors for wow. And the forums and social media are just, a lot of bitching and complaining a lot of times and not a lot of joy about it kind of deal. Diablo, what few things are there, people just, you know, retweet whatever is said and that's that and there's not much to go on. Hints of a new potential playable class <laughs> in Overwatch, really bare bones hints before they started hinting a lot more. Fucking community goes batshit crazy with fan art, fan fiction, everything for a character that may never be in the game. That's the difference, and that's huge. The game, for for all the things that we said about the game when it was in beta, and we've come out and said, you know, since after that, it really turned on its heels and became something awesome. And it's continued to do that. But for a game like this, that is in a genre that, typically breeds nothing but hostility and it's still to a certain degree does that in chat and whatnot but the community is what i'm talking about as a whole it breeds this creativity and this passion and you gotta love that like that is that's huge and it makes me want to play the game that much more as well well i think one of the other defining points of that too is the community team and developers have engaged the player base their audience a little bit more uh than some of the other games have uh, especially because oh, they God, don't have yeah. that history to, they, and they don't have that history to sort of like this is how things have always been this is how they're always going to be blah 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 Th- they're getting out there they're doing things that other companies are doing like one of the things i've noticed is that with overwatch they're doing stuff like riot would be doing with league of legends and their player community like they're doing dev brawls they're doing uh amas way more frequently they're respond they respond on twitter like crazy yeah um and they they love their args and throwing stuff like that out there 
And I know for a fact, I have it on really good authority, that they absolutely love how players get into it and create their own like little realities, let's be honest. Yeah. They love they love the ships. They love the shipping of the characters. They love how passionate people are about these heroes. Mercy and Pharaoh and forever. <laughs> Don't you well, tell also, me, Genji? Fuck you. That is not her love. I, I know you. I know you're hardcore. I know you're a hardcore pharmacy. Was oh, that what this called? Also, <laughs> that's that's the name of the ship, pharmacy. Yeah. How fitting is that? <laughs> I I just want to throw it out there. A lot of this also just has to do with how diverse the game of yeah. Overwatch is, yep. with the multicultural heroes of various gender identities and sexual orientations and, and backgrounds ages. and religions and biological <laughs> components. But, it, it's it's reaching out to fans beyond the core FPS group that are bringing a lot of these other ideals and outlooks into it. And it's really lifted the entire community up. Like, I mean, I compare it to like Marvel, like look at how the average Marvel comics, you know, fan base has been ever since Ms. Marvel and spider Gwen and it's characters like that have been elevated to much more prominent roles. It's completely changed the fan base. It's not just Spider Gwen, Gwenpool too. <laughs> but you know, I will I will say I have one gripe in regards to that. Why are all the Hispanics on the the bad guy side? Come on, Blizzard. Come on. You do a little better than that. Although you have to I, say I, I still stick to my guns that Talon isn't the bad guys. Maybe, maybe not. Would, we don't know course. yet, but they're perceived as the bad guys. The um I was playing the other day and I, I noticed and I I'd been noticing, but it struck me because I'm playing, again, a shooter game, which guys will love to tell you, primarily guys. I know it's not true, but I'm just saying the idiots out there. But everyone in our team was female class. <laughs> it was cool. And I was thinking, this is fucking awesome that we have this game that we're able to play where it's not just dude bros being dude bros and shooting other dude bros in the face kind of thing. There, there is that diversity. And I did, I notice it often, but that one time, just because it was boom, 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 our entire team were a bunch of different female classes. I was like, fuck, this is a great time to be alive when you can have shit like this in games. And it's like, nobody bats an eyelash about it, which is what you want. Just fucking love it. Do it. Don't complain. And it was like, yeah, oh, this they is They don't awesome. care that May's a woman. They care that she's got the fucking gun and that she's ice walls and shit. God. <laughs> Hate me, bitch. Amazing. <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> God. All right, let's move on from there. We got a bunch of trailers dropped on us last week. Some good, some not so good, but definitely interesting. We can start with the one that I was the least impressed with, and let's work our way from there. (laughs) Care to guess which one? Vince. (laughs) Yes, Injustice. Injustice. (laughs) That super bad looks like somebody's dad. He, he looks like your accountant. He looks like your accountant. Like he, oh my Bruce, god, you were a bad boy. It was horrible. I, I was not impressed. It's, uh, it, I mean, especially for us, like you and I, Roger, because we know like what more the Injustice universe has to offer from the phenomenal five years worth of comics they put out in between the games. Oh, yeah, because I never read any of those. Fuck you, Vince. <laughs> wow. I don't know if you had. 
Wow, that was a. I've talked about it on the show with you before. God damn it. Yes. Apparently, that's a sore spot right there. Heartless bastard. This is why Walter's my favorite. You know that, right? (laughs) See, Marty, it's not just you that hates us. Joe hated comic book and former podcast as well. No, just Vince. I'm all right with that. Yeah, so am I. <laughs> Please go on if he doesn't interrupt you again. <laughs> so like, this is something we've talked about. Like, I've never made any attempts to hide the fact that I did not like the first Injustice game. But that was purely from a gameplay standpoint. Like, NetherRealm Studios, it took them a couple games to figure out, you know, how to make a fighting game that was fun to play for me. Like, Mortal Kombat 10 mechanically very fun fighting game but i will give them credit that nobody else in the fighting fighting game industry does story content in the fighting games the way netherrealm does uh between mortal kombat 9 10 the first injustice and presumably the second injustice the way they present the story to the players is very fun very engaging like it's a several hour process where you're jumping from character to character and various sides of the story so i i have to have faith that the in-game story for Injustice 2 will be just as interesting as the in-game story for Injustice 1 and leave us enough room to grow beyond that in what's the Injustice 2 comics. Because, so, yeah, the trailer was pretty bare bones it was horrible. as far as content was and driving interest. But I also look at it as, okay, we've got Supergirl, we've got Blue Beetle, we've got Darkseid that are now coming into the Injustice story. You had me at Blue Beetle. Not just not just Blue Beetle, the good Blue Beetle, Jaime Reyes. <laughs> so I, I, I'm excited to see what what the comic side of the writers can do with the characters. As long as the game story is good enough, I, I would hope though Netherrealm may have reached out and seen like the the feedback that they got in the Justice Comics and tried to make it a, a little more from what we expect there. But like I said Netherrealm and story modes in fighting games are the top of the genre. So I, I still have confidence that it's going to be decent. And after playing Mortal Kombat 10, I'm going to assume Injustice 2 is going to play a lot better than the first one. So I, I'm still very interested. Like I'm not on the hype train. I'm not going to buy it until it's on sale, but I'm less against this than I was the first one. At least I'm I'm honestly pretty hyped about this one. Really? Believe it or not. Why? I, I, I actually liked the first Injustice. So did I. Like, I, I really liked it. I thought it was fun to play. It was one of the few fighting games that I actually put a decent amount of time into. Um, this is going to sound really, really odd. I had a lot of fun playing it on my Wii U. Not like the Xbox or the, the PlayStation, but the mm-hmm. Wii U. Like, the controller felt better for the game, and I have no clue why. Um, the well, the Xbox controller is terrible for fighting games. <laughs> so there's that. There's, there's that. Hold on a second. But Are you talking about the big remote, the one yeah. with the screen? Yeah, like it was actually like I played really? with that and my hands were like perfectly comfortable with it. Everything was well within reach and I didn't have any problems with it. And I played a lot of hours on that. Do they actually it make su- use of the screen on the controller? Uh, no. Oh, of course. You okay. could you could see you could see like um, your charge meters and shit like that. But that's really about it. OK. Um, which I appreciated, actually, because it meant I didn't take my hands off of the actual buttons. So I'm cool with that. Um, but I'm excited for this because I. 
I like the world of Injustice quite a bit. I like the concept behind it. I like the characters of it. It's still my favorite version of Harley Quinn um, in a long time. Yeah, and I'm I'll buy that. Yeah, definitely. And, and I'm looking forward to seeing what story snippets and what driving forces they put into the single-player game. And then I'm really excited for multiplayer on it as well because, it, again, Injustice was one of my favorite fighting games, hands down. Yeah, see, I'm kind of of the same opinion as you're, but like for me, I don't play as many fighting games, so you can attribute it to that kind of thing. And then I have an affinity for um, DC characters as well, and Marvel characters as well, but uh, as opposed to Vince, who's far more leaning towards Marvel, I'm kind of split between the two. So the having these characters, I love that. I love the look of it, the game. I, I actually have it on the PS4, and Tristan and I play it often enough, actually. We'll sit down and we'll play, and it's a it's a ton of fun in terms of gameplay. In terms of the story-wise, I didn't do enough of of single-player campaign to see if there was much of that. I honestly don't know because it's always just been he and I playing. So you get the quote-unquote mm-hmm. lore from the environment and things like that, but mm, not much else. If you're comparing it to the comics, it doesn't hold a candle to it. Not even close. It was solid. Not- like I said, it... it not just the story itself, but like the actual like story mode and the game, like the way it ties into the gameplay. Like I, I appreciated a lot of it. See, for me, I always looked at it as, as, as just a typical fighting game in terms of the 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 reason behind mm-hmm. it. Because again, you could be Superman going up against Wonder Woman, so it's not like it's following the factions that are in the comic. Well, the way the way they did it in the game is it's actually the heroes from the main DC universe come to the Injustice universe. So that's how you get some of the fighting, the, the, really? the matchups that aren't tying in with the actual Injustice uh, factions. At some point, I'm going to actually have to go in and do whatever single-player stuff. Because it's cool, because I'll explain it. The way NetherRealm does their story modes, like well, the way a traditional fighting game does a story mode is you, like, you basically you play through the arcade mode and you get an ending for the character you beat it with. Yeah. Whereas Injustice, like, it's an actual story mode with chapters, and each chapter follows a different character through that world. So you start off with the Batman chapter, and then, you know, Batman, that leads into the Wonder Woman chapter, that leads into the Aquaman chapter. So you get to play with all the characters mm. for, like, several uh, fights with each one and like you get to see the story from all the different angles and it plays out like sequentially in like I, I, somebody actually uploaded a video on YouTube it's called Injustice the movie and it's like two and a half hours of just the Injustice story really? the fights cut out maybe yeah. I'll just watch that that's, I, awesome. I, that's what I did because yeah <laughs> see again we we like the first game but I'm not gonna lie like that second one it may be different once we, we see the actual game I don't know mm-hmm. how early footage this was, but holy crap, it looked like a massive leap backwards in terms of how it looks. The characters like they had all the new technology because the the original games came out on 360 and PS3. Yeah, so like, they have the new technology and they didn't like upgrade oh anything. God. They just like they went 90s. They went, it's "Okay, horrible. now we have more polygons. We can just add more shit onto the character." It looks horrible. And I I'm not joking, that Superman is is ridiculous looking. Yeah, the, 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 no, I am. I'm not happy with Holy the vast shit. majority of the designs in that game. I, I Blue Beetle still awesome. I would not <laughs> be able to take the game seriously. That's the problem. I, yeah. So, then, it's, oh, it's two words. What's that? Where's Constantine. Constantine. I didn't see Constantine. I know he needs to be in the game. Oh, sorry. I thought uh, you said okay. Yes. Are you kidding? Fuck yeah, do it. I, I think Zatanna was in the first one, right? 
Yes. Yeah. But no, you're right. He wasn't in the first one either. Dude, that would be awesome. That would be funny as hell. <laughs> They'd have to make it rated R, though, after. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure it already is. I'm pretty sure it's M-rated. Was it the first one? I don't think I don't think know if the so. first one was, but I think the second one is. Oh, okay. That'd be awesome, actually. That'd be cool. Okay. Uh, other trailers that we saw. There was the launch trailer for Horizon Zero Dawn which we're not going to go into too much detail because, again, we're trying not to spoil too much shit. It's gotten some good reviews and looking very much forward to playing it. But holy fuck, that trailer was amazing. I watched it on, like, my 5K iMac. I just boosted it up as high resolution as I could. Looking, at It was glorious. Oh, my God, that game is gorgeous. Um, there was also, I had found it at the same time as you linked it to that, uh, the new middle earth, which looks freaking cool as shit. That's cinematic. That trailer amazing. is amazing. It is <laughs> fucking amazing. Holy shit. Go ahead. Yeah. It was just announced today and it comes out in August, which I, I like this. I hope more game companies continue to do this and doing okay. away with the two to three to five to ten year hype cycle surrounding the games. Yeah, it was just announced today. Coming out on Xbox One, PS4, Scorpio, PC, etc. And it's a direct follow-up to the previous game, uh, Shadows of Mordor, where you're going to be playing, again, once again, as Talion. And they say uh, Celeb- uh, Celebrimor, or whatever the hell his name was, the, the wraith that was bonded to you is going to be back, even though they separated at the end of the first game. Uh, but this one is going to revolve around Talion having his own ring of power and basically starting a war in Mordor with the express purpose of taking Sauron down. And they're taking all the cool stuff they did from the first game, uh, namely the nemesis system, where the orc enemies, like, remembered you. Like, if an orc killed you in combat because they actually tied in, like, dying and resurrecting as part of the, the story, and that's why you were bonded to the wraith, you were able to come back. Like, that orc then became a hero of his tribe and was promoted. And the next time you came across that tribe, that orc would be there. And he'd be stronger. He'd have better gear. He'd have better weapons. So that was a really cool system. And now they're enhancing that for the second the second game now, where it's not just going to be you know an orc chieftain. Now, whether you know how well you do in the combat is going to affect like the entire realm of Mordor. Like you're going to be able to like sway factions to your side, or you know the enemy themselves will get more powerful if, if you fall in combat. So like this is going to be like some next level stuff that I'm really looking forward to because the first Shadows of Mordor I played a little bit of it i own it and that's when my playstation fell apart so i haven't gotten too much into it but like it was a really fun game they said the nemesis system was groundbreaking and still is no other game does anything like that so to take that concept and broaden the scope like i i have high hopes for this yeah yeah plus again the the concept behind what you see in that trailer who knows how long it's going to last but it really puts you right in the thick of it right away and again, it was one of those epic moments that Lord of the Rings is known for. So it really was, holy shit, I really need to. I, much like you, had played some of the first one, but it was looking at this going, okay, yeah, I really need to play through that first one entirely and then get to the second <laughs> You do. It's shit. it's a really good game, well worth it. And considering that the main character and his ghostly elf companion are coming back, I mean, yeah, you need to. You absolutely need to. 
<laughs> unfortunately, that's the downside to this now six month window between announcing and releasing it is crap that <laughs> we don't have two years to catch up and play the first one. <laughs> Yeah, well, especially with everything else coming out soon, soon yeah, as well. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> and, although I, I really also respect Warner Brothers for releasing this game in August. Like, this is going to be one of their biggest games for the year, and they're not releasing it in November. Maybe companies are learning. Yeah. Fuck, yeah. Don't just pile well, I think on they, at the same time. For lack of a better term, um, I think this is proof positive that Warner Brothers is finally realizing how they're getting burned when they do try to compete with other games <laughs> because they have this nasty tendency of like, Oh, we can just rely on the strength of this IP and it's everything we want and it's going to be fine. And we can release it in, you know, November, December and oh, we're going to be just fine. Why did this game not do well? What did we do wrong? Let's just do it again next year. And then maybe they finally learn because this is a great game too, to release in that time frame. Uh, it's, right around the time you want to see those epic blockbusters anyway, where you expect to see like the talent of the, the blockbuster style movies and everything else. Like this is, this is good. This, this excites me and hell, this is probably going to be a day one purchase for me. I love the hell out of the first game. Cool. What did you think of that Genesis Noir trailer that I sent you, Joe? That was cool as shit. I thought it was fucking awesome. That was fucking cool and fucking weird. And I do <laughs> like weird. So the concept is 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 interesting. Basically, it's a point and click ish style adventure. Um, but you're a celestial being. You're like a god. And this is takes the game takes place before, during, and after the Big Bang. And I believe you're they described it like you're the watch peddler and you're in this weird time sink where the big bang was literally a bang. It was a bang from a gun that killed a God and birthed the universe. And that God happens to be miss mass. Who's this breathy jazzy singer. <laughs> Sorry. That's and just awesome. It makes me giggle yeah. every time I think of it. What exact combination yeah. of drugs were they on? I don't <laughs> know. I <laughs> would like some. <laughs> Dude, I don't not only do I want some, I'm in. Like I'm so in. Like this the concept is so weird and just so unique and the art style is phenomenal. It's expressive minimalism, I guess would be the best way to put it. It's not like overly uh fluffed up and but it's not exactly flat either. It's like hand drawn 2.5ish. And it's really cool. And some of the lighting effects that they pull off with such like wireframes, like from just what I'm seeing from the trailer, are phenomenal. And the soundtrack, oh, just from what I've heard, like it's going to basically have a jazzy soundtrack. And if anybody knows me or Roger, I'm pretty sure Roger's also going to be on that one as well. I, as long as they can really pull off the soundtrack, like I want the level of dedication that we saw in Bastion in this. Not the same style of music, but that that level of dedication to music being such an integral part of a small indie game kind of thing. And if they can pull that off with the art style that they're employing with this trippy as fuck wonderful concept for a game as well. Oh, oh, as long as the pricing's right. Yeah, right away. I will buy this right the fuck away. And and I will and I will believe that point. I will I will beat that horse until it's no longer got any blood to ooze out. Uh, 
you do your sound right and the game will follow. It is one of the most important things, whether it's the actual sound effects of the game or the soundtrack, the, the score that accompanies it. Are, it's so important for setting atmosphere and drawing somebody in. It can actually do more than graphics or gameplay can. And I don't think a lot of people realize that mm-hmm. we're so tuned to it. Like it, it oh. some of my favorite games, some of our favorite games have been because of not just the, the games themselves, but the atmosphere that are crafted with the music. Look at, and I'll even go with a, a game, Diablo 2. You hear that rift, you hear that guitar, you hear that slight reverb, that, that little chorus in the background, and you know, you know that you're in Diablo, and it sets the atmosphere of that entire game. That's just one example. It's phenomenal. Like like I said, I can't wait for this. I didn't know about this until you had linked it to me and immediately saw it. I was like, yep, I'm, I'm sold. Yeah. They're getting my, I don't care if it's 60 bucks. They're getting my money. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, we also got some rumors. Again, they talked about a new Batman game potentially coming out. And a again, this is rumor, but it's somebody who's apparently currently is still working there, but soon not to be working there, apparently, according to them. But... So take it for what it's worth, though it would stand to reason. Again, the Batman series was freaking cash cow for them. It would stand to reason that they would be working on another one. And so this one here, again, rumors would be named Arkham Insurgency. We're looking at it taking place three years after Arkham Origins. It's built using the same engine, so it's not quite as big a deal to to put out. It's been in in development since uh, 2014. And in this one, you're playing both as Batman and Robin, Uh, this one being Dick Grayson, who at that point has been working with Batman for a couple of years. And this one is going to be more the coast uh, 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 in Gotham. And once again, this is something that I was kind of initially turned me off as I was reading up on it. They were saying another breakout at Blackgate and Arkham Asylum. So the uh, the PD is blocking off sections of Gotham and you got to go in, take care of the bad guys. There's going to be some new ones, presumably, plus get the civilians out. And it's like, eh. But then <laughs> it was like <laughs> Court of Owl stuff with Owlman and Talons. And I was like, okay, yeah, that's that. Okay, you got me. <laughs> that's good because if you folks don't read comic books, the not the current run of Batman, but the one before that by Snyder is among the best Batman you will ever read. Some may even say the best, but it's open to interpretation. But it is fucking amazing, and what he did is he brought out this court of owls that was this society that existed in Gotham long before there was a Batman and they still kind of control it behind the scenes. It's, it's not a new concept at all in be it TV movies or games, certainly, but it was really, really well done in the comics enough so that the, it's iconic in terms of its imagery and the characters and the talons and things like that. So the moment that I heard that that's going to be in there, I was like, okay, yeah, no, I will definitely play the shit out of that. We're also going to see the Joker, but more as a side character. Great. I like that. Um, Alfred and Lucius Fox and and Babs are going to be in it as well, helping you out kind of thing. Some interactions between Babs and, and Dick Grayson. So a lot of the early stuff that we know from, not just the comics, but as well the animated series and things like that. So, And then they were talking about potentially a November date for that. There's also a rumor of a Damian Wayne Batman game, but fuck that bullshit. 
<laughs> That's where I draw I, the line. <laughs> you know what? No, I would play the hell out of that. Oh, no, I would not. I, I would because it's a chance for redemption for the character in the role. Like it's Damian Wayne's one of those characters that had these like moments of brilliance overshadowed by like petulance. And it's something that they could theoretically do well. And maybe this is a chance to let it shine. I, I'm not saying that it will. It, it could be just a steaming pile of horseshit in a Batman suit. It, it's entirely possible. Okay. But I'm willing, I'm willing to give it a shot. You're a lot more optimistic than we are about it, which is cool. <laughs> and if they do that, then I will play it. But if this is Damien, that's like saying, you know, I'll play this Batman game because maybe in this one, he's going to be chipper and sing show tunes. <laughs> Damien Wayne is always going to be a petulant little fuck that you want to slap upside the head. So if they change that, they're essentially changing the character. So maybe, but if it's at a later date as he's like been an adult, then I'd be all right with it. Yeah, no, I agree. If, if that's what they do, then yes, I agree with you. That would be awesome. I just don't buy it. I think that they will stick with the character and rely on those tropes that I hate of teenagers being just petulant assholes. So, but if they do it right, I agree. I That'd be awesome. But I'm thinking you're going to need to play it first and tell me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're going to skip over a few things because we've been running long here. But there was a very interesting piece of news that did drop today. Or did that drop yesterday? I think it was today it dropped. Of, about Twitch going into selling games. And this is actually, yeah. this, is, this is huge because this could potentially actually put a dent in steam and that's big that's not something that i would have said for for any other from from gog to a lot of the others it's like no they're not really going to make any dent in steam but twitch is got the backing of amazon mm-hmm. it's it's got a massive following that are there specifically for games and also that many of them want to help support the streamers that they like. So buying the games from there so that the streamers get some of the money, they might be more likely to do that. This is, I'm not saying it's going to be, but the potential to be a game, quote unquote, no pun intended, but really there is, uh, a game changer, this is it. You know, and honestly, this is something I kind of, I don't want to say I predicted, but I had an inkling that something like this was going to happen the minute Twitch Prime became a thing. And the minute you were linking an Amazon Prime account with Twitch, even though Amazon owns Twitch, it seemed a little weird. Like, why would you do something like that with a service that's known for streaming, like video uh, content that you can't stream on Twitch because of copyright, by the way, Um, but also like quick and rapid delivery, whether it's same day within an hour or two day delivery, as well as all the other things that come with Prime. It seemed like a weird thing at first. And I was like, wouldn't it be weird if they start selling things on Twitch? And this makes perfect sense. Like you and you hit the nail right on the head. It's this community has, has sprung up where people go there to watch people play games to determine whether or not they should spend the money on the game themselves. We're all guilty of it. There's those games that are like, we're on the bubble. We're not sure if we want to spend the money, make that investment, put that put that $60 to it, and then have it turn into the order. Um, yeah, <laughs> we all have those moments, and, and this helps with that. And it's in certain companies, um, Telltale Games, Ubisoft, Tiny Build Digital Extremes, Raw Fury, Bit Studios, uh, Campo Santo, Devolver Digital, 
uh, High Res Studios, Jackbox Games Paradox, and a whole uh, Trion Worlds, and a whole bunch of other ones. Uh, some not insignificant names are throwing their weight behind this because they realize how many people streamers of their games reach. And this is a way where they could have free advertising, essentially, of these people playing that game. And somebody says, oh, yeah, this not is just really free fun. advertising. You're going to get paid for the advertising. Well, <laughs> kind of. It's five. Yeah. Well, the the way that it's going to break down is going to be if, if a streamer buys it. And these are rough numbers right now. This is not set in stone. This could change. Um, but if, if it's bought on a streamer stream, the streamer gets 5% of the value. 70% goes to uh, the company, uh, the developer, the the software, whatever, um, publisher, and 25% goes to Twitch, Amazon. That's actually a pretty good distribution. It's about on par with Steam. Mm-hmm. And they're already talking about doing things like having sales events, having things tied into it, um, maybe not at first, but having this grow and having this become a thing where, okay, maybe there will be physical copies that you can purchase, not just digital ones that you have to use the uh, Twitch desktop app for, which you will have to do just like Steam or Origin or anything like that. But it's it's a really interesting power play because they have something that Origins never had. They have something that GOG games never had, uh, Green Man games never had. They have a built-in play, a fan base already using their applications. Now they're just throwing games into the mix. Yeah. And when you get people like Ubisoft, who traditionally hates third parties, sellers of their stuff, like really does for the most part. That's huge. The only problem that I see with this is, well, there's there's two problems and there's likely a lot more. But this is the first two that that jumped to my mind. One, you're going to get so much more salesmanship from the people in streams. There's already a lot I, of no, I disagree. police I disagree. support. So, uh, well, There's- let me finish, and then you can talk about your disagreement. I feel you're going to get a lot more people begging for you to buy products from them. So, And maybe not, but that's what I think. The other problem, and this was brought up somewhere else where I read about it as well, was saying that it could, it probably will influence the legitimacy of the what is being said in the stream because some streamers, maybe many, maybe not, but maybe, will try to color things in much more positive a light in order to mm. try to sell more of it. Here's That's not good. That. Both of those, I feel, are bad. Here's my counter to that. What's 5% of 60 bucks? That adds up, though. No, it doesn't matter. What's 5% of 60 bucks is $3. The average donation that a Twitch streamer gets from their player base is $10. Where's the incentive to sell more games than take donations? There's not. No, no, no. Bullshit. Bullshit. There's not is a fallacy. Of course, they want more money. They constantly want more money. As a streamer, what would you rather have? $10 in your pocket or $3 in your pocket? But what I'm saying is that they can have both. If they feel that they can, they can effectively. Why would a player tip them if they're buying a game through them? Because it's a different thing. It's not though, because if it's the mentality of the person, right? And and I've seen this as a result of, of taking commissions. Okay, and this is something that's really, really interesting. People, if you, if they feel like they're already paying for something, they're not going to give you a tip because 
if unless they're forced to or that it's common courtesy to do so, uh, such as tipping a waitress is just, you know, that's how it is. They're not going to do it. Do you want to know how many tips I've received for my work in, in miniature painting? Zero. I've received zero dollars in tips. You're um, an asshole. But that's just how because <laughs> people because people feel that they shouldn't have to tip me because I'm charging them a reasonable fee for what I'm giving them. It's the same thing with streamers. If somebody pays sixty dollars for a game while watching somebody stream it, who's going to say that that sixty dollars game should then become a seventy dollars game because they're going to give ten dollars to a streamer? In a player's mind. They're not going to think that 5% is 3 bucks. They're just going to say, if I buy this game, 5% goes to the streamer. I don't have to give them extra money. I don't think it's going to change streamers like you think it is, um, not, in, not in such a grand scale. There will be some people that will try to pander to that. I'm sure there's going to be new streamers that are coming on that are going to try to get on that bandwagon. But I don't think it's going to be as big because that number is so small comparatively. And it's just it's the mentality of gamers in general who – buy stolen codes who, you know, will wait for Steam sales to buy a game that they've wanted to play for two years. If they're going to buy a game, I guarantee you they're not going to tip on top of it. it it'll be rare that that happens. Vince, got an opinion before we leave? I, I just want to say that on Twitch, more so than like YouTube, because it's live and not edited and whatnot, you can, like a lot of Twitch viewers are, are, are more aware to like the general the genuine reactions that people are watching like the twitch streamers who do like go over the top and like try to be salesmen for their own brands of like driving for tips and donations and whatnot they they don't last the ones that last on mm-hmm. twitch and have the largest communities and the most faithful followings are the ones who are genuine people if they like a game you know they like it if they don't like a game they they don't hide that and i don't think throwing a couple dollars is going to really change the overall uh, community and perception of Twitch. Like like you said, there are people who are going to try and jump on the bandwagon and try mm-hmm. to get their money out of it. I'm sure that's going to happen, but I think that's going to, to kind of kill itself off pretty quick because nobody's going to want to watch those streams. They, nope. they can just click over to another channel and watch somebody else. Now, the one last thing that I didn't talk about, and I just want to throw in there real quick before we, we move off the topic or, or anything else, is that this also incentivizes companies to host more streams of their mm-hmm. content as well. Because if they're the ones streaming it, they get the full 75% of that sale. Not 70%, an extra 5%. And one of the coolest things that has happened recently is dev interaction on Twitch. Uh, Hob with, with with watching that stuff happen. Um, when I was with Hyper RPG and, hell, when I won that copy of... Uh, uh, Necropolis because I just happened to be interacting with them on the stream and they happened to pick me randomly for it. That was cool, but I wasn't there because of that. I was there because they were having fun. They were having fun in this game. They were doing this, this cool thing, but that was the developers. And it was cool seeing them like, Hey, do you guys want to see a cool little trick? Okay. Let's show you a cool little trick that nobody knows yet. Or, or things like that. Not to mention like speed running communities are, are big on Twitch as mm-hmm. well. Like there, there's a lot of potential here to just make it easier for people to purchase a game that maybe don't trust Steam or Origin or something else. And like one great idea that I just thought of when you brought that up is let's say, for example, Street Fighter. 
and Capcom runs their own Capcom Pro Tour. And what they did last season was they had special Capcom Pro Tour DLC where the money they raised from that DLC went into the prize pool. So now that they can stream the Capcom Pro Tour, advertise that DLC as going 100% back to the players, and then be able to sell it right there on the page, that is just fantastic synchronicity amongst the community and, and the services. And, and think about, like, all the, the game show, the, the game, um, I don't want to call them shows, but, like, the E3s and the developer mm-hmm. conferences that are streamed on Twitch. And it's not going to be there yet, and they even specifically mentioned this, but the ability to see a game and go, that actually looks really damn cool. I'm going to pre-order that and just push a button on the stream. And then it goes to your Amazon cart and it's pre-ordered or or whatever the case is. Like it, the convenience of that is is mind-boggling and it's playing into the impulsive nature of humans. And I think it's from a business standpoint, I, I mean, I, I applaud them. It's a, it's a fucking smart move. It is. It really is. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it is. I'm very curious what it's going to mean for streaming moving forward. But, I mean, the thing with me is that I'm not that invested in streaming. So, Mm -hmm. for me, it doesn't really matter. I do watch some and I do enjoy it. But for a lot of the streaming I watch is actually not gaming. It's freaking guitar stuff (laughs) or or comedies or different things. I really don't care. That's like most of the streams I watch are D&D. Right, yeah. So, it's it's like I'm not that heavily invested. But I am really, really curious what it will mean going forward. And again, again, with our Amazon partnership, they could easily lump that in too. Hey, you're watching Wizards of the Coast official D&D stream. Hey, here's the book we're playing. Go buy it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's so many things that they could do with this. Okay, anyways, it's brilliant. We are going to move on from there. We're actually going to call it a wrap for tonight. This is a little bit longer, but again, I, the the news just dropped for that Twitch thing, and I definitely wanted to talk about it. You can find mm-hmm. the show notes at forthelore.com, and you can find us on iTunes and on Stitcher and on Twitter at forthelore, or individually, Joe is Loaders at J. Vince is Simodian, and I am Zen Buddhist. And that's it, I guess. Yeah, that's it. We'll talk to you yeah. next week. Okay. Good enough. <laughs> I heard him say. That she had the longest, blackest hair, the prettiest green. Oh, the mints are kicking in. <laughs> <laughs> they were kicking in about a half hour ago. And I was like, oh, well, I don't need to make sense for the rest of the show. <laughs> I wished him luck, and then he said goodbye. He was gone, but still his words kept returning. Thank you for listening to For the Lore. Each week, the show is broadcast live on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern. Stop by forthelore.com slash live to join the conversation and have your thoughts discussed on the show. If you'd like to hear more from the guys, check out Comic Book Informer, a weekly podcast from Vince and Roger, as well as Popcorn Ronin, a bi-weekly movie, TV, and anime podcast. And lastly, thanks to Manelli Jamal for the show's theme music. We encourage everyone to check out his site, ManelliJamal.com, or find him on iTunes and help support this incredible musician by picking up his CDs. What else was there for me to do but cry? Would you believe that yesterday this girl was in my arms and swore to me she'd be mighty eternally and reasoning? latest flame yeah Marie's name of his latest flame oh Marie's name